Welcome to Play, Learn, Teach. We bring early childhood educators together to ask questions about raising children in these challenging times. This episode has been sponsored by OLA. Our Certificate 3 and Diploma courses teach early childhood through the head, heart and hand. If you want to sing, dance and craft every day, talk to us about careers in early childhood education. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Teach podcast. Um, Today I'm having a conversation with Jake Waring and Carol Lichnitsky, our innovation and education leaders from Ignite Minds Family Daycare. For those of you listening via Apple or Spotify, please visit our website, igniteminds.com.au slash podcasts, where you'll find additional resources and can engage in the conversation by posting questions and comments. Some of the feedback we had is parents asking about the level of information they should be giving their kids about the coronavirus. So uh, I just thought I'd put this to the team. So Carol and Jake, um, I might start with you, Carol. Uh, What are your thoughts on children listening and watching news? My thoughts are that uh, watching the news for an adult is pretty overwhelming. And so I would protect the children from television. We know that television generally is um, a media to avoid with little children because of the biases, because of the very fast speed at which things, images come up. And also there's no filtering for child-friendly viewing. So I think the news is really something that should be out of their lives and we need to keep their lives as whole and protected as possible, especially little children. Um, But even older children, I think it's a very um, challenging thing to be able to process what we see on the news today. I I agree with Carol, of course. Um, Yeah, uh, limiting TV in general. For for me personally, this week, uh, I've limited the uh, amount of news that I've consumed and I've limited the sources that I've consumed them from. I think uh, a lot of Australians are feeling a little bit calmer because we've had some positive news, but but also because uh, I think we've noticed how uh, some news sources can really feed and fuel anxiety and fear. It was quite obvious, uh, you know, social media like Facebook, um, that can really fuel fear quite quickly. Um, and even I noticed uh, on more reputable uh, news media sources that um, they were also fueling fear. And um, I'm really grateful for to have Ujval as a, you know as a, the head of Ignite Minds in that um, we've got a reputable source of information coming to us and from the Department of Education or the Department of Health and that's the sort of information that we can consume uh, which is factual and won't incite fear and anxiety. So, so I've found that doing uh, being careful with my media consumption has really reduced my level of anxiety, which then in turn reduces the level of anxiety in, in my house, uh, in my family daycare setting. And of course, that um, helps the children feel more relaxed and free. So so I think it's not about, uh, it's definitely a no to children watching TV and news. It's And then it's even going a bit further and saying, as adults, should we really be watching fear-based news and because it does trickle down to the children and you can I've experimented so many times you can 
really see it happen quite quick, quickly. Uh, if there's an excited conversation in the house about a news item that has come up between me and my partner, then the children pick up on that straight away. It's, it's an energy thing and they, they're very sensitive and they pick up on that level of excitement or anxiety in our voices. Um, our voices are very uh, sympathetic and um, the children pick up on that straight away and you can see then the behaviour starts to come out. So maybe my little boy would then go over and hit his sister or uh, my older daughter would come up and need attention and the, 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 the vibe of the house will slowly devolve. <laughs> so I've been very careful with my media uh, consumption and I definitely think that helps uh, the children. Thank you, Jake. Another question we had was um, what kinds of um, deliberate conversations can we have with children uh, around this topic? I think it's really important to simplify our lives. I mean, I speak to so many people today and they're saying um, they're finding some beautiful aspects of this crazy time we're living in by simplifying their lives and getting to the essences and the deeper values of what's important. So I think it's to actually completely turn in a, in a very new direction and make the most out of the the beautiful aspects of our lives and bring that to the children. So I think nature is, of course, one of the most healing places to be. And even if you have a tiny garden or you go for a little walk on the on the street with your children, to notice all the changes, this is a beautiful season as well. Autumn is quite fabulous in terms of transformation. So to notice the colors and the leaves and uh, what's happening around, and when I go for a walk, I'm seeing children's activities along our streets. It's really beautiful. They're pinning rainbows to trees. They're hanging uh, little woven crosses from branches. They're chalking the pavements. Um, so I'm seeing actually those activities which bring such joy to me as an adult. And for children to see this, they're like little messages that flow across to them. So I think it's really to refocus and get rid of the non-essentials in your lives and to connect to the basics. Thanks, Carol. Uh, Jake, I guess there's another question which is very similar to that question which has come through, which is um, how can we explain what's happening to children in an appropriate way and also be open to the questioning that uh, children have? So in my family daycare setting, uh, we do this through story, um, stories that the children can understand and uh, relate to. Um, so Carol, uh, you, you have uh, um, shown us a beautiful story called The Gnome That Stayed at Home. Uh, it's by Susan Perot and it's a lovely story about uh, the, the reasons why the gnome had to stay at home. And this is reflecting the current experience of the child. In our setting, I'm not going into the details of um, of, the, of the of the virus itself and and what it means and um, going into too much detail about that, because I'm founded in uh, this idea, uh, it's a Steiner philosophy, where um, the first uh, zero, seven years of a child's life is the the word is the world is good, so I'm trying to reflect to the children that the world is good. Uh, from 0 to 14 is, uh, is the world is beautiful and then from 14 on is the world is true. So you can see that um, when the children are 14 and you know, they can read and they can uh, consume their own media, then 
that's when they're looking for answers. They'll, they'll look for answers. They'll want to know why this is happening. They'll want to get to the truth. And they'll be able to find the right sources of information to ascertain the truth uh, from 0 to 14. It's, it's about the world is beautiful. So the children are receiving information, but they're re reflecting it in a beautiful way. So that's where arts and crafts come in. And from 0 to 7, the, the main age group that I work with in a family daycare setting, is the world is good. So I need to uh, project that the world is still a good place. And of course, it is a, it is a great place. Um, the, the, you know, the vines are turning a beautiful color, green, brown, and uh, yellow to crimson. Um, there's, uh, we've got pumpkin growing uh, in our garden, and, and the pumpkin's great. It just climbs up the vine and then and is hanging on uh, the archway to our house, which looks, looks beautiful. There's actually a pumpkin growing overhead. We've got beautiful stalks of corn. And so if, if people, if adults are scared of scarcity, I can show the children that we've got abundance in, just in our backyard. And there's goodness everywhere. And that's, what I, that's the main story that I'm uh, projecting to the children because it's the one that they want to hear at this, at this age. And that's the most important thing to, to keep in mind when working with the ages is that there's a theme to each age. They're not ready to learn or understand or hear about uh, COVID-19 and the numbers and that we're flattening the curve. Um, we do need to tell them to uh, teach them to wash their hands and that's a good thing so if we wash our hands we're keeping ourselves clean and safe and keeping our friends safe and that's a good thing and um, I've actually been amazed at how uh, easily it has been to get children to wash their hands they they can sense all the other stuff that is going in on in the adult world and usually when I ask children to wash our hands even if I do it really beautifully like um, now it's time to wash our hands. It's time to have some lunch with a sing-song. There'll always be one or two kids who go, oh, I don't want to wash my hands, you know, and they might have a bit of an upset. But uh, since this issue has come up, um, everyone's washed, all the children are washing their hands without, without fuss. They're really using the soap, and if I ask them to lather the soap up into bubbles, then that's what they do. So they, they know what's going on at their own level. They don't need to be told the details. Um, our job as parents is to reflect that the world is good. This episode has been sponsored by dragonflytoys.com.au. Play experiences that are beautiful, enchanting, strong and safe, environmentally friendly and fairly traded. Yes, Jake, I really agree with you about um, this uh, very beautiful picture of the world is good for little children. And just to say to adults, parents, educators, that... Um, we are constantly being asked questions by little children that are really very wise and very essential. And they're often questions we can't answer because they're about the meaning of the world and the meaning of everything. And we're still trying to get our heads around that. But children have a certain wisdom where everything is whole and, as you said, Jake, is good. And so for us as adults, it's really important to become a kind of container that holds that image. I often think about ourselves as like the sun that shines on everything, no matter what, no matter who, and gives love and light and warmth to the children around us. So if we even look at things like um, nature and we see how things grow and when plants are healthy, they're usually not attacked by bugs. Uh, permaculture understands that. Biodynamic agriculture understands that. 
that in order to withstand the possible attacks of bugs and insects, plants need to be really healthy, which is like having a really good immune system and having good nutrition, having good soil and being surrounded by companion plants that support the growth of whatever vegetables we're growing. Um, and so for us to rather get into the understanding that ecologically everything is integrated and nature will balance out. And as custodians, let's say, in the Aboriginal context, we are custodians of our earth and our children and everything. We have got to see that the conditions are um, at the optimal to support their healthy growth and development. So it means feeding nutrition, giving light and warmth and water to the plants and in the same way, using that as a metaphor for what we bring children, rhythm, uh, gentleness, kindness, nourishment, interest, and a sense of uh, confidence in how they can create things for themselves in nature. So one of the things I think is really important for adults is to, this is a really important time for getting close to what the essences are of life. And I must say that nature, I believe, is my ally. If I ever need any kind of healing, calming, interest, enthusiasm, I go for a walk in nature and I start finding things. Um, I've just done a little video that will be up quite soon about finding these beautiful dandelions that are known as weeds. Dandelions are fantastic herbs to have, and in fact, they're very healing for liver and kidneys. Also very special. And uh, they have these beautiful little halos. There's a little corona, a halo of seeds around the center that we love to blow in the wind. Um, and so to find, you know, children will hear corona all over the place. They can't help but avoid it. But if we can say, wow, corona, this is a corona. It's like a crown. What does that mean? And how does that spread? And that spreads to seed itself and create more dandelions. So there are these images constantly that if we but look and look with the eyes of a child or look with the eyes of an artist, we will be able to understand the language of nature, which will help us particularly with young children. Thank you, Carol. I really, I think it's time we, we turn our focus to growing your own food, helping your neighbours, being creative and resourceful, frugal and inventive. Um, in so many ways, this is the essence of early childhood education because it, it ropes the adult and the child together in a meaningful productivity. Um, adults experience play through meaningful doing and refining, through gaining skills, and children get immersed in this parallel experience. We think about the skills that our grandparents had after the Great War or the Great Depression. You know, they're huge tins of buttons. You know, they never threw out a button. They saved them from all of their old garments. Uh, their wooden sock darning mushroom or, you know, recycling clothes and sheets into children's clothes and then into dolls' clothes and then into cleaning rags, you know, patching over the elbows of jumpers and eventually boiling the woolen arms to make woolen felt pants and for babies. You know, these are great survival skills and they're wholesome activities. And in so many ways, this represents a picture of early childhood education, a picture of a child fully engaged with the materials and the world around them. Just wanted to open open this up to you, Carol, um, about some of, some of the activities that you're uh, engaging educators and children in this week? So I suppose, um, yes, it's lovely what you say, 
which I still have a container of buttons, of all the buttons that you get in clothes, and I keep them. And um, every now and then I have to dip into the container and find buttons, or I use them for crafting. So what I've been engaged in this week has been um, playing with paint, water. I was demonstrating something for the video that I am finishing now, and uh, it entailed me going for a walk and looking looking at what's happening. And I saw these beautiful agapanthers with seed pods hanging out in kind of butterfly forms and wonderful transformations that are happening, as I said, with dandelions and so on, and brought them all back with gum nuts and so on and used them to dip into paint, to paint with... Um, to use as a kind of stamp and just to look at this and I spent probably an hour exploring and in that hour my whole nervous system calmed down and uh, I just realized wow this is really beautiful even in my work and I'm battling with technology and there's a lot of stress connected to that but in actually doing the demonstration I was so aware of how healing that was for me and so I think um, in terms of the nervous system uh, of children, they're, very, they're still developing. Their emotional systems are still developing. And so it's really, really important that we're able to nourish them in such a way that they're able to uh, be open to the experience of the beauty of the world and, and the goodness that is around. So that's what I've been doing, including creating little puppet shows, again, working with the light. So I'm very aware of where's the light today, uh, being aware of how the light is changing and the sun is going uh, lower on the horizon. Uh, the awareness of the season right now is incredibly empowering, actually. Thank you, Carol. Um, Jake, have you have you finding that you're engaging more and more in the traditional handcrafts and production with with children in your care? Yes, Uj, I think uh, that that's the key word actually. Uh, production. I've me and my partner have been reading a book called The Radical Homemaker by uh, Shannon Hughes, and it's a great book. In the in the book, it basically the key theme is it talks about transforming the home from a site of consumption to a site of production. And uh, if you think about the homes at the moment, um, I mean, when, when this crisis started, we, we looked at our home and said, what do we need? We need, <laughs> we need toilet paper, we need uh, wipes, we need uh, uh, baker's flour, we need, uh, alcohol. We, you know, we, we brought everything, we, we need our Netflix um, subscription. And uh, we, uh, people consumed uh, more um, to set up their home as, and keep it going as a site of consumption. But I think as, as people find that they've got everything, they're looking around their home and they've got all this time on their hands, they can see that actually you can transform your home into a site of production. And especially that's what the, that's what the children resonate with really wonderfully. So um, the other aspect of this is that the children imitate nearly pretty much everything we do. And uh, children are a great mirror in that way. Uh, they can reflect back to us something we say or the way we say it or, 
or um, something we do, the way we do it, and we can see ourselves in them. And it's, it's nice, and sometimes it's a bit unnerving. But uh, if we can change the way we interact with our home and turn it into a site of production so that we are growing food in the garden, and, and when we do go to grow food, you don't even need to purchase anything. You don't need to buy the seeds or buy a plant. I went to Bunnings at the, at the start of the crisis and they'd sold out of seedlings, of, of chives and herbs. Everyone was buying seedlings. But, uh, you know, I wonder how many of those seedlings have survived since, uh, since the three weeks that they've been in the ground. Because the plants, they're only going to live there if they want to. And the way I do gardening is I don't. I try not to buy anything. I try not to bring anything in. Uh, I, we we buy food obviously, um, and we uh, eat the food, and we then we compost the food in the backyard. We compost all our food scraps, and uh, that creates new soil. And from that soil, uh, I've created a seed bank. So uh, the pumpkin seeds that uh, from the pumpkin we ate, they're in the in the soil now. And that's uh, the pumpkin that grew in our front yard, all over our archway, is is from a from a pumpkin that we ate, you know, probably sometime last year. So the seeds are already in the ground in my soil that we've cultivated over a few years. And so we, I didn't have to buy anything in. I didn't buy any soil. I didn't buy any seeds. Uh, sometimes gardening shows will sell you lime or, or nu uh, nutrients or fertilizers. I don't do any of that because if, if I have to bring that stuff in, then the plant doesn't really want to, to grow there anyway. So I'm just growing what, what wants to grow in my backyard. And um, uh, the, the pumpkin love it. Corn loves it. Uh, tomatoes, they, they're kind of okay with it. And so whatever's happy to grow in my backyard, I'm happy to have over as well. And it extends into other activities. So um, the, the activity we've been doing most recently, when there's a video on this, uh, on the Play, Learn, Teach uh, YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to, uh, there's a video on a leaf rubbing activity. We've got a huge vine, which I use um, is a multi-purpose vine. It grows over our, our deck and provides shade during the summer, really hot days. And then it loses all its leaves at the moment. They're all turning beautiful colors, crimson, yellow, brown, and, and, uh, and gold. And uh, we pick the leaves and we make beautiful artwork uh, by rubbing some beeswax crayons over the top and then painting over that with a watercolor. And that becomes a huge uh, um, artistic activity which reflects what's happening in the moment, in, in the present moment in nature. And that was, it's a free resource. It's the, the leaves are everywhere. We can see them. There's plenty of them for everyone. There's no need to worry about uh, waiting for it to come in the post. We don't need to buy the leaves. You don't have to wait for it to come. You don't have to share them out. There, there's plenty. There's, a, there's an abundant source of leaves that we can use. And the beautiful thing with the vine is that it'll lose its leaves in winter and we can trim it back to let the light in through the winter months. So it's a really... Um, a really mutual um, relationship, uh, beneficial relationship that we have with our vine. And um, we can look around at any of the resources that we have in our house and uh, find a good use for them. So toilet rolls, that's a classic uh, kid thing. Um, hopefully everyone's going through their toilet paper and they've got some toilet rolls left over. If, if, if you need to, then you can actually take the toilet rolls out of the toilet paper. You know, if you're not going through them as fast as you thought you would, you can take the toilet rolls out, you can slip them out and use them for, uh, for telescopes, or as my little girl calls them, stelescopes. And you can, uh, what I've done in our cubby house is I've put a whole range of crafty things, bits and pieces, gum nuts, acorns, hats, things that are found in nature, things that people have just uh, given to us or things that we've found. 
Um, and they're all available for the children. They're called uh, loose parts these days, and they're all available for the children to pick and choose and use as they need. So, so instead of having a craft activity, like a session, intentional activity all day long, the children can do craft on their own, uh, self-directed, any time and uh, all day long, they often connect it to a story because that's what um, I do. I, I tell a story and we tie in the craft and there's usually some songs. And then the children see that and they imitate and they do the same thing. They find some craft, they tell a story through games and, and play and sometimes they weave in a song there as well, which, which happened um, the, the other day, which was really lovely to see. Yes, you can just stay at home. You don't need to buy anything look around your house uh, you might have a loft you might have a shed uh, you might have a, a laneway with uh, some things in there and if you go out there like uh, Carol did into her garden in this exploratory manner then you will find plenty of things to engage the children with. Thank you Jake I, I was interesting to hear you um, talk about the book The Radical Homemaker um, as I hear you, I'm also thinking that there's a lot of adults out there which won't feel confident in their ability to, to be creative or to make things or do things with their own hands. And I think this time, more than ever, um, it calls us all to step up and to think about how we can be more resourceful and how we can do, do more with, with less. Um, there's a great um, documentary series where, which people can watch if they're looking for ideas. It's called Wartime Farm. Um, Historian Ruth Goodman and archaeologist Alex Langlands and Peter Jin, um, they face the challenge of the biggest revolution in uh, British history where they um, look at trying to run a, a farm during the war for a whole year. So they, they turn a manor farm back into the way and how it was run in, in the Second World War and, and they step through the details of, um, of all the equipment and how they have to make it from nothing and, and how they have to scrounge and, and all the different problems that are, that, that are set upon them. And I think that's a really great resource for, for adults which might be looking at, um, at, at how, how was it done. Well, I just want to uh, add, because I'm so inspired by what you both have been saying, that my training by working in Africa with uh, people who were financially impoverished was an incredible one because we had to find things to work with. It was luxurious to have paint and to have anything like that that you needed to buy. And so what I discovered there with them was how nature is full of color. And that, uh, and this is part of my demo that will be coming also on YouTube, is uh, you can take a petal from a geranium and squish it onto paper and just see the most beautiful colors revealed. And then magically, if you take ash from the fires that are being made and you rub the ash into that color, the color changes from a kind of magenta to a purple. Now, just an experience like that is full of wonder, and it comes from being prepared to actually explore in an open-ended way. So I think where parents or adults feel intimidated, just be prepared to free range and explore and take an interest in what happens. And you will be led on a journey that will fill you with confidence as you grow. 
Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, uh, please take care. If you have any questions or comments, or if you would like to engage in this conversation, please visit us at igniteminds.com.au slash podcasts. Uh, there'll be a whole lot of additional resources there, and uh, you can sign in and, and ask your questions and leave your comments. Thank you very much. This episode has been sponsored by Ignite Minds. We teach play-based learning from within nourishing homes under the family daycare umbrella. Inspired educators, join our team. This podcast was produced by the Jones Collective, www.jonescollective.com.au. Chat to us about your podcast today.